0: Welcome to another episode of Straight Talk Recovery. I'm your host, Adam Kosteve, and my colleague, Raymond Moore. We are really excited today because today we're going to actually have our first guest on Straight Talk Recovery. Ray, would you like to introduce our special guest today?
1: I would would love to. So yeah, I'm also very pumped to have uh, this guest on the show. I mean, I've worked with him for many, many years now and definitely... uh, Uh, One of the best I think I've seen in in my time in the field. We're very, very happy to have Nathaniel joining us today uh, to talk about virtual therapy and virtual treatment programs as a whole. So welcome, Nathaniel.
2: It's a pleasure to be on your show, guys. Uh, I never expected this to come, but it has come to pass, so it's great to be on
1: Yes, you,
0: you, you've reached that level. Welcome. Welcome. Oh,
2: thank you. Thank you for this. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so as we know that right now, uh, with everything going on, it's a very different world than it used to be before. Before, yeah. it was so much about face-to-face, where in person, and now uh, COVID has changed the way we all operate. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. from individ- from now online therapy sessions to online treatment programs as well. So let's start off with, you know, talking about online therapy and your experiences with uh, that and the transition into it.
2: Well, the interesting thing about online therapy was that uh, being that the majority of organizations were pushed towards that realm, um, over here, we weren't pushed because we were already beginning that process of going to the virtual therapy. Um, initially, from many clients, especially those ones that you've you you know you've been seeing for a year or two or what have you, there was that reluctance to say, hey, Nathaniel, I see your face. I get, I get to come in. I get to shake your hand prior to COVID. And now what you're pitching to me is a virtual realm where I'm, I'm sitting at home. Right. So initially, there was a little bit of reluctance from those individuals that we were seeing before. Um, but as time progressed, they as well as we realized the the strong benefits of it. Uh, one of the main, main be- benefits is the accessibility. Right. There had been many. Um, I have many clients where unfortunately they might call in and so much as they, they're running late from work or they have to pick up their children or, you know, the, the common day to day stuff. Right. Now, within the uh, the virtual realm, all you have to do is ensure that you allocate that set of period of time and that you close your door and put on some headphones. So overall, now individuals are noticing the, the strong benefits of uh, virtual therapy. Right. Um, another major one, and I'm sure you, you've seen this and heard of this, Adam, is like, when you're working with a client um, that has like difficulties with distress tolerance, so like difficulty managing mood and what have you, yeah. emotions, intense emotions, mm-hmm. and before when you were doing those distress tolerance skills, such as uh, like jumping jacks, with tip skills, um, dunking your face in cold water, it was said in theory, and then they would practice or implement it off screen. Right. I recently, like even just recently, I had a client that when entering into the session. This individual was at at 10 out of 10 in terms of anxiety. And I said, okay, do you remember the skills? Yes, I remember the skills. Okay, we can actually do it right now. (laughs) This individual was able to go, pull out the the water, uh, put the ice in it, put their head in for the dive response. I'm saying to the one, two, you know, in a melodic tone. So we're able to do those things real time. Mm -hmm. You're able to actually implement those skills (laughs) real time. So that's There's many different benefits, but I'll rent on.
0: Okay. Well, have you noticed a difference between those clients who've actually never done therapy before and all of a sudden are doing online and those uh, clients who started off in in in-person therapy and moved over to the online platform?
2: Yes, I, I noticed a difference in terms of there was a reduction in attrition rates or missed appointments, as I was mentioning mm-hmm. a little bit earlier. Now, I mean, practically there really isn't that much that's getting in the way, right? Right? Geographically, right? Um, and in addition to that, these individuals, um, I, we could utilize it within therapy, right? You could mm-hmm. utilize it while we're sitting down. Okay, so you missed yesterday's session. Why was that? Right, and we go through the we go through the fact checking, and then at the end of the day, it's like, well, you know what is because I didn't want to come for X reason. It's mm-hmm. it's not because of the logistics. So it's, it offered us the ability to whip through or very quickly rifle through um, potential rationalizations that are provided. Okay. I don't know if that
0: answers your question. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. So now, now I'm going to throw the curveball. The one that you didn't oh. know was coming because we ask questions and all this.
2: Is, is it going to ring? <laughs> no,
0: no. <laughs> oh. So, Nathaniel, for we talk a lot about in generalities and stuff like this. And the one thing that clients never get to hear about is the, because they have experience with their own actual experience with online or whatever. What I'd like you to talk a little bit about is your experience and your uh, how, how it's affected you uh, transitioning into the uh, virtual world. What struggles? Uh, let, the, let, the, let our listeners hear about the difficulties that you uh, have faced. You want the candid response? <laughs> it's straight talk recovery, so we want the straight talk. I
2: wonder what the rating is on this. <laughs> but, nonetheless, but nonetheless, I mean, everyone knows with respect to uh, – technology that technology is rife with its own difficulties Mm -hmm. right so there is its own learning curve learning curve in terms of well i'll just speak from my own experience as opposed to general Uh, as i would say to my people that i work with so with respect to myself like uh there's a learning curve when we were utilizing on-call what are the options what's available and what are some of the limitations right um one thing, one one of the inherent limitation is that some individuals aren't inherently they are not tech savvy. Right? So as a therapist, and I, I, I we all come from the same environment, you know, residential, inpatient setting. You know, within the residential inpatient setting, you wear at times wear multiple hats. So early on, myself as long as well as my other colleagues. Had to quickly turn or quickly put on the hat of IT specialist. Right? <laughs> <As a visa laughs> there you right? go. Right, so we would we actually had to um, identify what were some of the common issues in terms of logging in. Okay, where is? It? What are you using? Are you using a Mac? Are you using a laptop? How close is it to your router? Are you using an Ethernet cord? Those, <laughs> those sort of things, right? That, to be able to provide them with some solution focused approaches to de-escalate and to have them effectively participate uh, in the psychotherapy session. So that was one one of the major barriers, but that's something that is that can be sussed out beforehand mm-hmm. on So we learned after some time that hmm, there's, there's a certain population that inherently is going to have difficulty. So as a means to bypass that, let's build in a timer and we spend some time with them and just hash out some of the mechanics.
0: All right. So as a audio podcast here, our uh, listeners can't actually know that, you know, when you talked about those people who may be not technology savvy, uh, I believe your eyes and my eyes both went to the screen where Ray was sitting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a, 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 and my, my thought process, and I'll share with the listeners today is that I actually had to ask uh, Ray to pull his mic out of his headset because it was tucked back in. So it works for all of us here.
2: Exactly, exactly. That large. It's a constant learning curve, a constant evolution, and right? My, right, my good friend Ray. The,
1: and that—that's where I wanted to go with this question,
2: right? Because uh, you know, th-
1: there's some people that are just against technology, and it's just right. you know, it's just right. right. going to be right. therapy, right? Um, right? For me, however, though, I put an effort in, and i, I, I just don't have that—that um, that skill right to 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 navigate technology <laughs> if it wasn't for adam i'd probably be talking to the television set, expecting but i i'm just not very good with this stuff but that, that brought a question Acceptance. Up. Acceptance. exactly exactly <laughs> That that brought uh, got me thinking though about kind of the demographics in terms of of, of age, and I I, I I do understand. I mean, age really has nothing to do with whether you're tech savvy or not. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> definitely, the younger generation—I'll be very vague when I say that, of course—but the younger generation are extraordinarily tech savvy, um, and yes. are, are at times. okay at times. Fair enough. <laughs> um, but but do you find that the younger um, your younger clientele or your younger um, participants tend to benefit more from online versus when you had, you know, face-to-face?
2: E- yes, yes, because the the younger crowd, uh, especially within the concurrent mental health and addictions population, oftentimes, as you, you know, the term codependency, they're, they're depending on someone to take care, whether it be physically, emotionally. And a lot of the younger clients are often uh, reliant on their parents to bring them to or fro or have had like a DUI where they can't get around. So inherently, like there has been so we've had like a uh, I, I can't give a stat, but we had this spike in uh, younger clientele that have sought out the services because of, again, that accessibility, um, as well as because of the, the normalization. This is what what we know? I'm going to lump myself into that group. What we know,
1: <laughs> yeah. And and I th- I think that's where I was getting because I I think where I'm really going with this is is a lot of uh, a lot of the younger people a, a really good way of expressing their emotions is typically through technology right. text message. Right. I know TikTok seems right. to be a big thing where people are kind of expressing their emotions, opinions, whatever it may be. So I kind of figure this particular venue for um, people that are more geared towards social media that like to. communicate, communicate via text message and basically go Mm -hmm. out of their way to avoid face to face um, contact, even when there's no pandemic happening, whether this Mm -hmm. is actually more of an easier avenue for them to talk about what is actually happening for them and to feel more comfortable about doing it. Um mm-hmm. having that distance, I mean, I know we can create an, a you know a fairly strong argument that you really want to learn to have that face to face connection, but in the mm-hmm. process of learning all of that, um is it a good thing that people have this particular way of connecting with people um that may be more comfortable for them
2: well you you know me in so much as like i i, I focus or my heat my ears hurt comfort right, and I, my mind is like, okay, let me focus on that my my uh, what do you call it my therapist senses went, went up. And so I was just like, well, typically when I'm working with a, a client and they're saying to me, I'm comfortable and so on and so on. I'm like, are we doing the work? Are we doing the work right now? <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, with going back to your question in terms of comfort, I think it goes hand in hand with building a therapeutic relationship. Right. Because that's the first and foremost thing that's required in order for us to do the work with someone like mm. a younger client. And when you're able to put them at ease, be in a comfortable, safe environment. Now, there's a safe right They're in their own room with um, some of the healthy stuff that are around, whether it be a pillow, whether it be memorabilia, so on and so forth. It brings down that guardedness, mm. Right that's very yeah. it brings, it very mm-hmm. much it brings on that gardenness and then who's to say like we build that relationship and who's to say after or at some point in time after legislation we can't meet in person at times right so it's just like the anxiety mark, uh, model module wherein you you deal with some of the uh, lower hanging fruit expose yourself and then gradually start to expose yourself
0: mm-hmm. right mm-hmm so what i heard there sorry right i didn't mean to cut you off there but go ahead is i was you know and listeners are probably going to want to know about this as well is you know we are coming where more and more people are getting vaccinated and Uh we're moving and so where do you see this going forward how do you see a adaptive uh model that's uh a hybrid model i would say so uh in like uh our center where we work at we actually use a hybrid model mm-hmm. where the therapist comes in and actually sees a client uh once a week and the other two sessions they do is virtually so do mm-hmm. you see this uh continuing to work once uh uh we you know our, we get, get to a new norm
2: yes 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 i
0: it, actually yeah I, I perceive
2: that this hybrid model will play out especially after i was hearing some anecdotal statistics Mm -hmm. in terms of uh, employee retention rates and uh, what did they say, Uh, happiness and enjoyment at the position, I think it was like 40%. And that when they're not happy, they just leave in in the midst of this pandemic. Um, The reason why I bring that up is because uh, I like to practice not only, I know you guys do, uh, a client-centered model, and that applies to us as well. And so much as like, there are going to be uh, clinicians that would like to come in periodically and see clients, right? Um, and we're not going to negate that. That's going to be open to them as long as the legislation provides for that. Um, but in addition to that, being that we've been that we have been virtual for a year and a bit, uh, we have a lot of therapists that are far from the the nuclear uh, Trafalgar Merton Street uh, facility. They're all the way in. Barrie. They're all the way in. Uh, at one point, we had an individual in BC and et cetera, et cetera. There, are, chances are, they're not flying out here on a daily basis. <laughs> I, I think it's safe to assume, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, in, in short, I believe that we're going to offer a open client or uh, client slash employee model. wherein in certain individuals that want to come in as a therapist. Can come in on a hybrid status, as well as with clients, because again, the same model. Actually, the majority of our clients aren't in the GTA. They're in like northern Ontario. Many times when I get an intake, I'm typing in this area just to make sure, uh, for safety reasons, that this individual is truly in Ontario. <laughs> Never heard of this place.
0: <laughs> they're, they're
2: referencing a place that's uh, like a place that I know that is five hours or 10 hours away from that. So uh-huh. a lot of our clients are in remote areas. So I perceive that a lot of those individuals that are in the remote areas that don't have access to um, very strong therapists, specialized therapists, CSAT therapists, et cetera, et cetera, are going to naturally continue on in that yeah. route. Yeah.
1: All right. So, so I, I definitely think this is here to stay, right? I mean, yeah, I, I think just virtual therapy and then – you know, um, group therapy also too that uh, that goes virtually as well. I think we can talk a little bit about that as well. But, but I think mm-hmm. the whole idea of virtual therapy, p- part of it was is letting go of the the old um, idea that therapy was done one way. You are sitting in front of your mm-hmm. therapist, you are on a comfy couch. Um, I think of mm-hmm. the show Fraser. If you guys ever remember that, like yeah. that idea <laughs> of like you know, it, it, it's a sort. I think really with the pandemic, it it forced everybody to look at doing things differently. And, and I think Ooh. online therapy, I actually took part in it. And I mean, for me, as technologically, you know, un- not bright as I am, I can honestly say virtual online therapy helped me a great deal. And I think exactly what Nathaniel Ooh. said, there was something comforting for me about not being in an environment that was you know, situated and set up for me by the person, but sitting at (laughs) home in the comfort of my own home, comfortable maybe with my dog around all, all all those peaceful um, surroundings engaging in therapy that way. So I think it really breaking out of the, the old and in with the new, I really think that the virtual therapy is, is, is is a great thing i I don't really see it going anywhere pandemic or not like i definitely see it as being uh a major convenience for
0: many people right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so what i'd like to take us now into a little bit different direction uh but i'd like to talk a little bit about now uh not just virtual therapy right but virtual programming right because again for addiction Mm -hmm. treatment um the main um Go to has always been residential in place and all this. But now um, as your program that you run uh, is a virtual one as well, which, which includes groups and all the same uh, criteria that a residential program basically runs, but you do it virtually. Okay. And mm-hmm. so I'd, le- I'd love for you to talk about how that's opening up the doors to uh, again, first of all, you, your education in geography is getting better, and that all yeah, very much so, <laughs> <laughs> and how it opens up to those to those individuals who may not have had access to a residential treatment program strictly because of geography or finances and all those other pieces.
2: Okay, so with respect to residential, I mean, so with residential, of course, when someone is coming in inquiring about um, treatment, we do that screener to see whether that individual is even suitable for, for treatment in outpatient mm-hmm. setting because there, there's a great amount of motivation um, and safety that's required for an individual to participate in an outpatient and a virtual program. Um So with that said, I mean, what we've been doing, what we've been doing is um, we're able to screen a lot quicker, right? Being that we already have a process set up. So we're able to sit down with the client face to face. This is what's really going on. uh, What support is really required? Um, And then if they're eligible and and, and so much as that, you know, they're not in a serious state of withdrawal or if, let's say, for example, they are having difficulty, we're able to, um, you know, coordinate and say, okay, well, who's in the household right now? And you can raise your hand. Who, who's in this room right now? Mom, so on and so forth. Okay, that's great. Now you can uh, start to participate in the, the outpatient program. I don't know if I, I've answered that question. I'm a little bit muddied on that, that question. That's okay. <laughs>
0: Right. And again, so I, I think, you know, what I was really also asking uh, is, mm-hmm. you know, the screening process, you know, so what makes someone better eligible okay. for uh virtual treatment as opposed to residential?
2: Uh motivation, 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 mm-hmm. motivation. Right? Because as a in a residential or in person treatment where you're in a, an establishment, I mean you're you're held in those four doors. In virtual therapy, you're held into your room. You can <laughs> click off the screen if you want to, and I'll call you. I'll call you back frantically, uh, <laughs> maybe from a block number, just so that I can get a hold of you. No, no, that's that therapeutically uh, beneficial. <laughs> but, uh, you want? Yeah, the individual has to have an element of motivation, sure. strong yeah. motivation, and um, if there is. Strong elements of uh, symptoms of withdrawal, then an individual isn't um, suitable for programming at this point. At mm-hmm. this point, but one of the actually, let me speak real to you. One of the benefits is that someone, let's say, I'm not even going to say a name, person X comes in and they're interested in it, and then they sit down with me and I'm like, okay, I'm kind of on the fence. Let's put in these preliminary precursors to sure you up a little bit. And then let's say, for example, they have difficulty in this virtual realm. All they they need to do, and we notice this, all we do is we just pause the treatment, right? And we refer out. We refer out and then they come back to treatment, Mm -hmm. right? So, I mean, one of the things of being virtual is that you have to be more communicative, Mm. right? So, in that process, they, they know real time, we know real time whether it's working out or whether it's not. And mm-hmm. we're able to relay that to them
0: real time. Yeah. Because you use that real, you know, the important word motivation. But, right. you know, what about commitment? Mm-hmm. Commitment.
2: Uh, commitment. Commitment is something that can be built upon as okay. long as they have elements of motivation. You know, mm-hmm. once, once you're able to notice what their Achilles heel is or what's driving them, Mm -hmm. we're driving that individual even myself all we need to do is reframe it back to that and then that shares up the commitment as Mm -hmm. well as as well as i mean they have the option to participate they're coming into the room they have like if they're sitting in the room they've chosen to be here Mm -hmm. so that speaks to their commitment that speaks Mm -hmm. to their motivation and oftentimes Mm -hmm. they use that within therapy
0: right and again, the reason I ask that question is because our listeners aren't only people who are in active addiction or in recovery, but it's their family members and other people. Right. right. And so right. The, the, the the you know, those caregivers who, you know, hence the word care. Right. They're worried mm-hmm. and they're trying to You know, people are trying to figure out, you know, what's right for my son, my daughter, my best friend, my spouse all these different people. And I think you've answered that question is the fact, you know, that gives them a little bit of guidance and what to look for.
2: Exactly.
0: Exactly. All right. So anyways, that is wonderful. We really appreciate you being on today. Nathaniel. I want to Uh, give a big shout out to Nathaniel Israel, uh, who is uh, the director uh, of the IOP program and uh, a great supporter uh, in many ways, to to me and Ray. We really appreciate him being on here. So I'd like to just say uh, thank you on behalf of myself and Raymond Moore. And just remember, everyone, keep talking.
2: Pleasure. Take care, guys.